everyone. My name is Tara Acosta and welcome to the Street Smart Side of Business. Today, I'm going to introduce our guest, Mike Acosta, who happens to be my husband. I know. Um, he's going to share with us his journey in business. So Mike's an attorney here in the city of Philadelphia and he is a serial entrepreneur. So his journey has been filled with successes and struggles that he's very ready to be open with and share with you guys and together we want you all to learn what the street smart side of business has to offer we hope you enjoy the interview so let's get to it hey mike thanks for joining us today um i was hoping that you would be happy to share with our guests all of your experiences and talk about your journey in uh, business and as your profession as an attorney. Thank you for the introduction and uh, first off congratulations on your book and hopefully it gives uh, great success for you um, as well for myself. Um, I'm an attorney here practicing in Pennsylvania. I, I'm heavily involved with the NFL concussion litigation. I represent approximately 130 players and I also represent individuals that are catastrophically injured in automobile accidents I've been doing that now on my own for the last six years, and I've had my own adventures uh, in business, not just in the law practice, but in other businesses that I've gotten involved in while help, trying to help other people. So previously, you were employed by another firm, and what made you want to go out on your own? In the legal profession, I think I learned quickly that I needed to be able to set my own goals and set my own rules. Uh, I didn't like to adhere to the establishments, so to speak, of the legal profession and what individuals needed to do and who really was making the money was the guys who made the decisions. And I wanted to be a decision maker. In order to do that, I needed to go out on my own. Yeah, and that was a big risk. I mean, going out on your own and you know stepping away from basically being fed um, work and being fed clients, you know, you then had to go out and try to figure out, okay, I'm on my own and I have this freedom and I can make my own decisions, but I need to find clients. Exactly. And that's the biggest jump that, and biggest fear that I would say is being able to sustain that same level of work by, by going out, doing things that you're not normally used to doing, uh, going to do things that you're not comfortable doing and that's the only way that you're going to be able to say yes I'm comfortable with what I'm doing and I can make a revenue stream from this and the way it came in my scenario is that I was sort of given an opportunity because I also do what's called underwriting for legal malpractice and and personal injury claims I provide advances to individuals that are looking for money now as opposed to in the future and from that avenue, I got to learn to every step of the business. And I got to be able to see the, the good parts and the bad parts. So that's a whole other side of what you can do as an attorney. So you're saying, like, you know, you, ha you're, you have your firm. You're an attorney. You have Acosta & Associates located um, in Pennsylvania. And with that, you have learned that you can then get into this whole other side of underwriting and which you know you're not going to court you're not 
doing depositions, you're not going through all the pretty typical things of an attorney. Um, this is something that, so you're employed by another company, so you have your, your firm and then you're also employed by another company, correct? Correct. Uh, me as a business owner, and my, always my philosophy has been is never put all your eggs in one basket. I like diversification and that's why I was involved in a variety of different businesses and some successful, some unsuccessful. And unfortunately, I had to learn the hard way because I didn't believe in my wife and what she believed in her street side and business side and having me to understand and appreciate her knowledge about being able to read people. Can we just say that again? No. <laughs> um, okay, so Jumping over, you mentioned being involved in the NFL concussion litigation, representing um, retired players that are suffering from CTE. Um, how did you get involved in that? Yes, I, I represent the players, and it's not just CTE, it's just all forms. There are six classified diagnoses for individuals that have traumatic brain injuries, we'll call it that, and there are different subsets. Uh, I initially got involved by giving out a loan to one of the former players who was not comfortable or did not feel satisfied with the representation he was getting. And he asked me if I would be willing to take on his case. I said, ethically, I can't really talk to you about that. That's your decision. You have to do that what's best for yourself. But I would be willing to look and see if there's an opportunity here where I could help you in any way I could. And my biggest attribute and way I like seeing this is that I know that I'm helping not only this individual player, but I'm also helping his family. Because in this specific field, these players are much younger and experiencing debilitating diseases that are affecting not only themselves, but their whole family. And to be able to say that I can help them get compensated for what they deserve goes a long way with getting to know who I am and being able to help other individuals. Yeah, and not to dig too far into this, but you know, the NFL has come a long way with, you know, providing information and, you know, they updated their helmets and the helmet to helmet contacts and, you know, they're they're really now starting to look out for their players. And so you representing the players and trying to, you know, get them paid because these are a bunch of guys that I'll be honest, from my own perspective, like when you first got involved in this, I was kind of like, come on, these guys, like they knew where they were getting involved in. They made all this money or had the opportunity to um, from a younger age. And, you know, what I didn't realize is that as much as, yeah, they knew that they could like break their leg or break their arm or have some kind of physical in injury, like the thought of not being able to remember to pick your kids up from school when they're 45 years old and have these mental issues was pretty eye-opening to me. So for you to like be able to help these guys and their, and their families, as you're saying, is, is pretty something. And going up against the NFL is not easy. So it's nice to see that they're finally, you know, stepping up and really looking out for their guys. I always said, if you're going to do it, you might as well go big. And I'm going against the biggest and the best, so to speak. Um, but going back to the families, it's, it, it really focuses in on what these players knew and what they should have known, how these long-term effects yeah. would have helped 
or deter them from continuing to play football. And it's what they were not told or what was hidden from them in saying that that's just a today thing. No, people weren't thinking just today. The NFL may have been thinking just today, but they weren't thinking for the good for the family and the benefit of the player because it's the long-term effects that are really hurting these players and having to go through what they are with their families. And essentially, their NFL is taking away years of their lives because in most instances, guys neurologically change. And through those changes, it's changing the family dynamic. And it's changing their family in the way that the family didn't know that it was going to happen. And it's just really debilitating to the family and the, to the kids who are, who are the innocent, real innocent ones here because yeah. they didn't see their father be that professional athlete in some regards. But now that they see this man sitting at the end of the table who has difficulty speaking at times, it's not, not fair to them. Yeah, well, it's nice that, you know, there's something being done about it. And, uh, you know, that the, the NFL is stepping up and getting the change that needs to happen. So other than that, um, you mentioned that other businesses you'd been involved in where people came to you for help. Um, and you basically, how did that work? Like you assess their business? and try to like from a legal perspective from a financial perspective correct me if i'm wrong try to basically you know give them a structure to help them get out of the hole that they're in i mean you know without getting into too much like how how is that something that you then became the owner of the business so i got involved in a couple of different companies that were financially struggling and i was and still am a trustworthy person. And I, I, and the old adage is don't trust anyone until you get to know them. I did it the opposite way. I trusted them until they make, made me not trust them. And that was a fault of my own. That's my own shortcoming. And I learned that the hard way. Well, I think that that's pretty common, especially getting involved in businesses and partnerships and you know, not really understanding the other person's motive or work ethic or you know just what they're what they're trying to get out of it but yeah please no it's it and i understand that it's that as an entrepreneur you make risks and you have decisions and you have to be able to able to go through the good and the bad and it's not just this all roses and sunshine on every company it's that not you're just looking fancy cars and beach houses no not all the time i wish <laughs> um there is some hills and some valleys that you really got to dig in and try to help resolve the financial needs of some companies or help the financial structure or the structure itself. And in my regard, I would be looking at the financials and I would look at the people that are presenting it to me and they had good work product. They, I saw what they would do. I saw the end results, mm -hmm. but I took for granted that they would be able to continue those same results. And that was where, it, that's my own problem, and that's where I didn't delve in far enough to get to understand that you have to, if you're in, you're in from A to Z, not just only half of it. You're in for, for the full alphabet, and you better stay on top of it. Otherwise, there are people out there that will take advantage of you. Yeah, absolutely, and that's definitely what the street smart side of business is about. It's really understanding people's motives and, and just really, like, 
doing your due diligence to get to know who you're dealing with outside of just what they're presenting you with from a business standpoint. Like, who is this person? What's behind them? Absolutely, and I think looking back on my failures is I think that was a shortcoming that I didn't really analyze enough. I didn't go into and delve into who am I really getting involved with and what's their, what's their meaning behind this? Where are they trying to get at it? And the way to really delve into a business is first, you have to have a passion for it. And second, you have to have the time to commit to it. Because these are not just nine to five jobs, they're 24 hour a day jobs. Yeah. If you're not willing to commit that time, then you shouldn't be involved because it's it's like raising a child you have to do it from the beginning and you have to watch it and you have to be able to coddle it when it's you know needs you and you have to pat it on the back when it does something great but you also have to be forceful enough to say hey i'm seeing a red flag here let's prevent this from happening let's move on to something else let's cut this out of the equation yeah because when you're the business owner the buck stops at you yeah and if that business isn't making money, and as the owner of that business, you have your own family to worry about, which is, should be your number one priority. You have to be able to get involved with businesses where you know that it's not gonna affect your home life. And that relationship between you, your spouse, or significant other is the most important thing, to be able to say, here, I'm there for you, and I promise you, I'm gonna work hard, I'm gonna protect you and my family, and I'll make sure we can do everything we can that we wanna to do together. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a story I hear a lot about. It's, you know, just people that get themselves in business and you kinda of get in over your head and it really does take a toll on other relationships. And I think that's a part of it where, you know, people don't realize, like, when you are emotionally drained, when you're financially strained, you know, it takes a, a toll on everybody involved. So, you know, whether it be not just you and your business partner, it could be your spouse or your loved one or, you know, your kids. I mean, when you're constantly working and treading water or in a sinking ship, um, you know, it affects everyone. So it's, it's interesting, you know, to have that view. With you guys, were you and your experiences you know, just having like all the successes that you've had and, and been through all the failures that you've been through and like can be open about it, I think that's important because a lot of people, it's all about perspective and just to show like, oh, everything's great all the time, like it's not. Oh, I 100% I agree. If you're not willing to endure the negative side of any business, you're, you're not ready because there's going to be times where you're going to be challenged and you're going to be able to meet that challenge through either any means possible. What do I mean by that? Are you willing to put in the extra mile to get the things done for the business? Are you willing to put your hand, your, get hands on in, in any kind of interaction that you may, need, may or may not need? It's important that you need to know all the employees and you know, in that process in and of itself, it's a roller coaster. Because everyone has emotions, everyone has their own life, and they have their own lifestyle. Yeah. And you just have to understand that people are people, and you have to be able to accommodate them and their needs as well, because you're depending on them in your workplace. Yeah, there's actually a really good chapter in the book um, that really focuses, it, focuses on emotional intelligence and just really being able to use your emotional intelligence 
to help your team. And because it's, you know, the world we live in, not everyone's cut from the same cloth and you really do need to basically nurture your team as individuals, not as a whole. There's no like blanket statement that's gonna make everything better for everyone. No, I agree. And and it's diff there's no age group. Every age group that you're dealing with is gonna have a different mentality or different perspective on how they should be or should not be treated by an employer. Yeah. And you have to be able to modify, alter the way you treat or talk or give them incentives to help them grow the business because you're using their personalities and their traits to help you grow as well as you're helping them grow because yeah. the business only is as successful as their employees. Yeah, I mean, and just being able to value your employees. I mean, I know I value my employees. I have a wonderful team and, you know, they're very dependable and they, they're really receptive as to like what our brand mission is. And I think that, you know, that's just really important to just show your appreciation to your employees and at every opportunity. I agree. And I think that goes back to the foundation of any business. It's going to be the stability and the base and the form of the business to be able to help make it grow. If the base isn't sturdy, the building's going to fall. And, and there's times where I got involved with the wrong people. But now I've surrounded myself with the right people, and I wouldn't be where I am today without them. And I show my appreciation to them through different types of bonuses, but I also tell them. And I think speaking and talking to them on a daily, weekly, monthly, just about any kind of things or problems they may having and see if you can help resolve that goes a long way in communicating yeah. to, with each employee. I mean, I don't know if you're in tune with this, but the, like the five love languages is something that, you know, you can put towards that emotional intelligence and just kind of see like what works for people. Fortunately, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not, just, I'm, not that, I'm not that guy. <laughs> I'm not, I don't, I don't. You might have a book on your nightstand by I'm, tomorrow morning, just saying. Yeah, it, it might <laughs> stay there and it may collect dust. Okay, so now that we covered that, let's get into your brokering career um, that you're currently working for a company called? Pioneer Legal Funding. Um, what this company is, is uh, we help individuals located throughout the United States with personal injury claims that are looking for help and looking for solutions in the short term while their case is still pending and there's still bills coming in and there's still things that need to be addressed and helping the family get to the end result. Um, because in that case, those individuals aren't calling the attorney saying, I need you to settle the case today. I need you to resolve it so I need to get paid money. This way it gives the opportunity to the attorney to get the maximum value for the family. Because these are incidents that these individuals did not create. There's no fault of their own, but they are put in financial peril that need an, an olive branch, so to speak, to help them get to the end. Yeah. So essentially, you know, if someone's like in a car accident or an accident at work or whatever it may be, uh, where they're genuinely injured and they can't work and they can't generate income and they're really strapped. I mean, and, and they're, they're calling Pioneer Funding for assistance, waiting for that case to settle. Um, just to pay their bills. That's correct. And, and 
just because you have an unfortunate event in life doesn't mean everything else stops as well. Yeah. Your bills still continue to pile up. You're, you still have to take care of your family. Your car still needs to be fixed. And there's at some instances, they stop getting paid and they don't have that ability. And we're here to give them that time, to give them the money, to help them get through this difficult time, to get to the resolution of their claim. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's amazing. So how did you end up working with Pioneer? So I'm involved with a company called Mustang Legal Funding. Mustang Legal Funding, I'm trying to be the owner, but at this stage, I'm just helping the process. And with my background in this field, I've been doing it for about 10 years. And I have enough contacts and individuals to help these type of businesses grow. But I've affiliated myself with these guys because I believe in their choices. I believe in their mentality and willing to help people just like myself. And that's what drew me to them. Yeah. No, that, I mean, that's amazing because it's the things we don't think about until we're in it, right? Absolutely. There's, you can only predict so much and you can only plan so much. There's going to be curveballs thrown at you in life. It's just how you deal with those curveballs and changing your lifestyle or helping your family get to the end. It's just life is full of peaks and valleys, and you just have to learn how to deal with them. So with these funding companies, um, just to get on the flip side of things since you're trying to be the owner, um, where do they get their money? Like, where do they get this money in order to distribute to help all these people? So initially you, you would go to hedge funds uh, located throughout mostly in the East Coast. Okay. Um, but when you get enough, enough established cases and enough established value and return on your investment, you can go to banks and get lines of credit. Uh, but that takes time. Yeah. And so you're paying for it earlier on with the hope and anticipation of being able to get in line with a bank who's going to be able to offer you much uh, cheaper interest rates. Right. So you have your hedge fund companies and your banks who fund the funding companies who fund those that need help. That is correct. Okay. So that's, I mean, it sounds complicated. I mean, I, I can't imagine from running a small business how to even approach a hedge fund and say, hey, <laughs> give me a couple million dollars. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it really what happens is you have to go there with a concept, similar to like any business investor. You have to be able to go there with a concept, show them proven results, and you have to be able to show how are you going to, the money, protect me, number one, as the investor, and number two, how are you going to get me my money back? It's essentially what their main concern is. Sure. So you'd have to run through that protocol and be able to show. So essentially a business plan? <laughs> more than a business plan. It's, it's used to show them proven results. It's not just a plan. You need to have a history behind that. Okay, plan. so you're not going to them as a startup. No, you're not going there day not one. Not an opportunity. You're going there yeah. day, year three, year four, okay. before you can start really getting into okay. the larger sums of money. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's very interesting. It's not my world, but I'm happy to know about it. And I know a lot of people are. So now you guys know the process. Um, so, yeah, Mike, thank you so much for joining me. We hope to have you back sometime, and we'll see you, uh, see you next time. Well, I'll see you later, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Mike for joining us, and thank you guys for watching and listening. We hope to see you next time on the Street Smart Side of Business. Bye.